Listeners and welcome to another week in brand storytelling. Today we're going to take a look at how the education sector is using content marketing to reach new audiences in an increasingly competitive environment. And joining me to discuss this is the marketing and communications coordinator at the Faculty of Business and Law at Deakin University, Barbara Sarah. For our international listeners, Deakin is one of Australia's most highly regarded universities and is also leading the charge in the digital publishing and digital content hubs in the education sector. Today, we'll be looking at how content marketing is being used in the education industry and how it's helped organisations like Deakin get ahead in what is becoming one of the biggest competitive service industries in Australia. Barbara, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Now, you grew up in Italy in the 1980s when brands like Lavazza and Barilla were already quite established there. Can you tell me a little bit about your earliest memories of great storytelling back in Italy? Um, Sure. I think I've been quite lucky to sort of grow up in Italy in the 80s. There was a lot of brand recognition already established at that point in time. And I think Italians were very brand aware following a great um, economic boom in the 60s and a lot of brands that came out of the wave of industrialization. So there was quite a really, really exciting time and there was a lot of um, confidence in the market and there were great expectations. So I think those companies that you mentioned, like Lavazza and Barilla, they, they were doing a fantastic job already back in the 80s. They had a great strategy in place, um, which I think really encompassed branded storytelling in, in ways that we didn't see perhaps in other markets until much, much later. What they did was they managed to keep an audience engaged with a series of TV commercials that didn't just spark a conversation about their brand, but actually managed to influence the average Italian family and and I think the fabric of Italian society overall. I think they had a massive influence in shaping people's values and aspirations. Everyone knows about the Barilla family, everyone wanted to be like the Barilla family and I think this in turn resulted in, in them maintaining such a large market share for their products. Yeah, an incredible journey as well that that has gone now global and we still see those campaigns here in Australia. You must still have an affinity with the brand even all these years on. Yes, I think it's still, you know, a go-to brand even when you live overseas like um, like I have done for a long time. And I think, you know, not only they managed to build a brand at a national domestic level, but they were also able to, to get that market share Overseas, you know, you could walk into a supermarket in New York and buy a packet of Barilla spaghetti and same in any capital city in, 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 in Europe as well. And I remember another iconic brand from Europe was the, or is the Benetton brand. And that was another one that really was going from strength to strength in the 80s and the 90s in particular. And they had the use of confronting imagery, um, some great photography that was used in their campaigns. What were your uh, impressions of brands like Benetton back then and, and how they've built their own content brand? I think with brands like Benetton, you know, they managed to be really captivating for even a very young 
audience. I mean, I was really still quite young in the early 80s to early 90s. But I think what they actually managed to do was um, not only come up with good quality, fashionable and overall good value for money products, but they also moved away very quickly from just trying to sell their products or present their product by presenting you know, a strategy which actually encompassed social and political issues. They made use of the best photographers to work, to work with them. They used imagery to shock and influence as well. They were quite groundbreaking, I think, in their approach um, in the 80s. And I think to me, they're really one of the first examples of really clever marketing and advertising. By embracing core values, they managed to tell a story about their brand, which was appealing and engaging for consumers. And, you know, in turn, their products were also appealing and, and sold well. I think that decade is really interesting. There's a lot to, to learn uh, by looking at what brands were doing. And there are synergies perhaps, with some of the rising consumer markets at the moment. So I think there are really interesting examples to go back to. And Australia was lucky enough to welcome you to our shores and you've worked since in a lot of agency roles. I know you've become an accomplished content marketer within the agency space. What's been your experience of working in the Australian content and marketing industry, particularly through the content marketing growth and then also now with an incredible brand like Deakin University? I think for me, I've, I have a lot of overseas experience, obviously having worked in the UK for the majority of my career and having worked for one of the biggest branded content agency agencies on a global scale. And I think for me coming to Australia, the first thing I've noticed was that the market was still relatively young in terms of content marketing and advertising. And perhaps, you know, that's um, endemic to some specific conditions and constraints that are present in the Australian market. But I think there is so much untapped opportunity. And I think perhaps in the last couple of years, brands and companies are really starting to explore the content marketing and the branded aspect of content a lot more. And I think Deacon particularly has been particularly successful in doing that. Um, we have a number of newsrooms that we service with regular content that are attracting a lot of interest but also they're presenting a great story and they're providing a lot of validation and trust signals and just also providing an insight into what we really are as a company and what our values are which I think it's it's great you know you need you really need to be playing in that space you really need to be out there and having consumers being able to learn and find out about you and what you're doing as a company and, and what, most of all what you stand for and what your values are. You mentioned and a very good point that the content marketing industry here in Australia is still I guess relatively new and immature comparatively to others around the world. That also presents incredible opportunities particularly in your current role um, at Deakin University. What is it that inspires you to continue in this industry and do what you do? I think I'm quite attached to, to storytelling has been um, a part of my career for so long that it's hard to move too far away from it I guess. I think when when digital and online marketing sort of started becoming more prominent I think from 2007-2008 there was a great shift in the market and there was a lot of focus on on quick activity, a lot of display advertising and um, a lot of looking at data and perhaps forgetting to tell the story. But I think, you know, data is great and it's good to and it's good to get those insights and, and understand what moves people and what makes people people click, if you like. Yeah. Um, but I think what's really going to build um, engagement is still going to be storytelling. People don't really respond that well to, to data. You need to be able to tell a story about your brand. You need to 
be able to engage an audience. That's how we share information. That's how we evolve, if you like, not just as consumers, but as people overall. So I think it's really important. You're absolutely right. And that's why we're here, brand storytelling. So let's take a little break now. We've um, got to know you a little bit better. And I've got some questions in what I like to call the uh, mad minute here. We've got 10 quick questions, Barbara, if you will. And what I'm looking for is just some short, sharp answers to these 10 quick questions. And then we'll get stuck into the more meaty stuff in the second half of the show. But if you're ready, your time starts now. What is your favourite place to go out in Melbourne? I'm a little bit of a foodie myself. <laughs> so even though my background is Italian, um, I absolutely love Japanese food. So any great um, Japanese restaurant in Melbourne. Uh, there's a couple in the city that are quite good. So, yeah, that's where you'll find me. <laughs> Question two, the best show or TV series? What's got you hooked? Anything on Netflix? Um, I think one of my favourite shows at the moment is probably House of Cards. But previous to that, probably Breaking Bad. I know, right? I've actually already watched, I think, nearly the entire Series 4 of House of Cards. It's only been out about a week and a half. Anyway, let's move on. The best thing about your job? Uh, the best thing about my job is actually having the flexibility to explore a lot of different ideas and being able to play in really groundbreaking space. Question 4. What book do you recommend? Simplicity by Ken Siegel. Oh, yeah. Ken Siegel used to be the advertising director behind the Apple brand. And he came over to Deacon late last year for um, a lecture on simplicity and some of um, the Apple principles and how to apply them to work and life in general. So that's, um, that's been quite interesting. Question six, is global warming a real thing? Yes, it is indeed. Very scary stuff, and we've witnessed that firsthand in Melbourne in the last week or so. Question seven, what's your favourite activity to do on weekends? Um, I think one of my favourite activities to do on the weekend will probably revolve around food and cooking. <laughs> I don't blame you. Question eight, one thing you can't live without? Probably the internet. Yeah, I reckon that's a pretty good one. Question nine, advice for people getting into content marketing? Some advice that I could give to anyone trying to get into content marketing is to... Be really passionate about what you do and try to get to the core values of a brand and really understand it really well and be as genuine as you possibly can in your approach and in telling, telling the story. The last question is your favourite tool for content creation or distribution at the moment? I think for me the key thing is really when it comes to content to look for as many distribution channels as possible. So kind of uh, creating a really good piece of content to start with and then re-adapting and repurposing that content to be used on as many channels as possible. For us at Deacon, we do a lot of work internally. We have some really talented journalists that work with us, but we also work with companies such as Newsmodo to help us produce that great content in the first place. Fantastic stuff. That is the Mad Minute with Barbara. Now let's jump into the serious stuff in terms of the Deacon content that you mentioned. I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about your content channels that you just mentioned, um, such as the newsrooms and the This Hub. So Deacon has been putting a lot of emphasis and focus on content marketing activity. Um, we run both channels at faculty level, with a low school newsroom and a business newsroom. Um, and also centrally, we run the this content hub. We have a great strategy in place to um, source stories around the faculty and around the university in general. 
we engage with a very large number of stakeholders and both in inter internal and external journalists to tell those stories as best as we can. We have um, content that is regularly updated on the newsroom. We try to publish three to four times a week. And I think that's really the way to go at the moment in content marketing. It's um, really bringing all those stories to the surface and being able to present them where people can both push and pull information. So we try to put them on the content newsrooms, but also we distribute them via our social media channels to, to let our prospective audience know that those stories are, mm, are available mm. for them too. Barry, we know that the education sector in Australia has been increasingly competitive over the past few years. There's more reliance now on international student intake, um, decreasing government support. There's also been those controversies like the proposed university fee deregulation and increased global com competition for tertiary education. Like many different industries in Australia, I guess the education industry is facing a time of disruption and change and one thing that the big players like Deakin have done is to increase their market presence and turn to content. I think education providers are fantastically placed, to be honest, to step up to the digital publishing plate. They have both a wealth of knowledge and the resources, as you mentioned, within their staff. They have the rich histories and they also have many, many people who can draw upon to use like for subjects in their content, students, staff, alumni and other role models. So I believe they're, they're naturally the kinds of institutions who would want to turn to for, for information. So it has all the great elements for content creation there at Deakin. It's also a great case study because really all the other industries can use these same elements when considering content creation. And what would you say are the main goals of content publishing there in the education industry with all of that in the mix? I think... The university sector is particularly well-placed to play in the content marketing space because it's a really natural fit. It is kind of um, down to the core of what universities do to either research or publish. So it's really, in a way, we have a, a massive advantage in a university to be able to play in that space. And I think other companies or institutions can certainly learn a lot from um, from what we're currently doing at the moment. Yes, there are really challenging times at the moment. There is a, certainly a, a saturation of education providers in the market. But I think what you can do is really continue to follow the direction that, that marketing and perhaps social media as well is pushing brands to behave in a certain way, and that is to be genuine and, and true to their values and to be really accountable as well. Yeah. yeah. So I think by publishing on newsrooms or social media outlets, you have the opportunity for customers, or for us, I guess, potential students to really learn about the brand and engage with the brand before they even make that purchase decision. How would you say your content has developed over its lifespan? I know you haven't been at Deakin forever and a day, um, but within your own experience, how is it integrated with the larger marketing picture there at Deakin University? So I think for Deakin, content marketing has become more and more important perhaps in the last year or two, 18 months. I think those stories were always there. As I mentioned before, publishing and research are core functions of, of a university, if you like. But what, what has happened, what's happened previously was that our stories and our research would be distributed perhaps from more traditional and old-fashioned outlets that would perhaps have appealed to just an academic audience. So the fact that we're actually able to publish directly on our newsrooms channels, perhaps certainly re repurposing those 
those articles and that content to be more appealing to a wider audience. It's really given us that opportunity to be more accessible to everyone, even before they enter that academic profession or that academic environment. So it's really given us a chance to engage with a lot of people and a chance for people to make a better decision and, and make a decision that will fit with where they are and where they want to go in the future. And that's a fantastic point, opening up the funnel, opening up the conversation so that you're not just speaking exclusively with a, a target small audience, particularly with, um, as you say, so much going on in the education sector. Have you started seeing results from our content efforts yet? Yeah, one of the main results we've been able to see from our marketing content effort is that our students student numbers are performing quite well but also we we have another fantastic effect to report on and it's the fact that media has started approaching us directly because they are regularly consulting and checking our newsrooms and actually being made aware of stories that we publish and and therefore we don't have to spend so much time pitching to the media but the media is approaching us directly and further distributing our content and our stories. Wow, that's a fantastic case study. The content that's being published there is in essence so newsworthy that you've had other traditional publishers pick that up and run with those stories from your publications. Yes, that's starting to happen and I certainly hope to continue to keep the content to such a high standard that those those publications will continue to engage with us more and more in the future. How have you found the process of engaging journalists to create that content marketing material? Is is that something that you would feel is the, the direction for that you would recommend for others in, in this space? I think in my experience, I've been playing in the content marketing space um, for over a decade. I'm really passionate about content marketing and storytelling. Um, I have a lot of experience of working with international journalists on a number of topics and, and different areas. And I believe you really need to have talented people working with you and passionate people working with you. Whether you can always find those people and build that team internally, perhaps it's not always possible, but you can certainly use external resources. And it works particularly well when you can get talented journalists that can quickly learn about your brand and become as, as embedded and as possible within your brand to really understand it and to give that really genuine flavour to the, to the content and the story. And as we start to wind down on this episode of Brand Storytelling, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us, Barbara, I would love to hear just what drives you, what motivates you, and where things are heading as an industry, in your opinion, for content marketing in 2016. I think for me, I try to keep up with what's happening in the market and with digital technology overall, not just in Australia, but also looking at Europe and the States. I guess my influences will come from looking at global trends and at the best players in the market in every field. I look for things that are done really well, where I can see passion shining through and where I can see that great thought has gone into um, coming up with a content strategy. And also where there is a long-term strategy, not just a desire to follow a trend or tick a box. That's a fantastic piece of advice and one that no doubt our listeners will be taking into their own toolkits for the year ahead because there's so much going on in this industry and with uh, so many different competitors, particularly in the education space, I'm sure you're always having to keep ahead of the game. Barbara, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Brand Storytelling. Again, Barbara is the Marketing and Communications Coordinator in the Faculty of Business and Law at Deakin University. You should check out their work. They're doing fantastic stuff in the content marketing space. No doubt we'll be keeping an eye on all of that in the months ahead. Barbara, thanks again for joining us on Brand Storytelling. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. 